Hi, this is going to be uh, number 21, and this is going to be a reaction episode. Uh, it's going to be in reaction to a uh, report published by the uh, State of California Auditor's Office. And the uh, name of the, the, the title of the report was Law, Enpo Law Enforcement Departments Have Not Adequately Guarded Against Biased Conduct. So as I'm flipping through this thing, the first place that my mind went to was that they even had the uh, arrogance to publish this ridiculous piece of shit. So when I say they, I mean all in caps, you know, sinister, ominous they. Uh, I hope I, I'll, I'll try to get back to that later, what, who I'm talking about when I say they. Because this thing doesn't pass muster on, on any level. It's, it's not well written. You don't have to be a, uh, a college professor to see that this is, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's propaganda and it's low quality propaganda. It's not a study. It's not a report. It's, it's just ridiculous. And I think that they thought that they had the arrogance to push this thing forward says a lot about the state of banal conformity in law enforcement. And some of that is, you know, structural. You know, if you're a, a chief of police of a, of a municipal uh, department and you're working for some, you know, communist nutbag like Harry Black or, or Michael Tubbs or Jenny Durkin or I can go on and on and on, uh, you know, uh, Fry, Jacob Fry in uh, Minnesota. Uh, just how free are you to speak your mind and to run the department, you know, you, the way you want to run it? Well, you're not because you're an at-will employee and these people can get rid of you at any time, which causes a chilling effect from the top down. Um, you know, your captains and your deputy chiefs and your lieutenants and your sergeants all the way down to officers, um, they're chilled and they're silenced too. They feel like, okay, this is, this is clearly ridiculous, but I'm really not free to, to voice my opinion or else I'm going to get written up or I'm going to be, you know. I'm going to be riding the pine for a while, let's say. Okay, so the next thing I thought when I when I was flipping through this thing is this represents, this is coming from the DOJ and probably specifically DOJ by way of White House strategists, high-ranking White House strategists in the Biden administration. You know, the hardliners, the hardliner communists that are really running the show. Because Joe Biden, let's, let's be honest, he has no idea that he's the president of the United States. Okay, he's he's looking for his bingo card. He doesn't know what the hell's going on, and the uh, hardliners are running things. And so, what's going on is the they—that's what I'm talking about. The hardliners in the White House are trying to advance the ball as far as they can while they have the power, because I think they know they're going to get their butts kicked in the midterms, and they're probably going to lose the presidency the next uh, election. So, um, so the DOJ essentially is partnering with um, the. Uh, federal Public Defender's Office in Philadelphia. Uh, why do I say that? Because um, something that got uh, uh, Project Plainview, I'm going to talk about Project Plainview, what it is. It's been up and running since 2017. It is a database and a national organization. They're nationwide. What they do and all they do is they go through, uh, you know, payroll rolls of uh, and rosters of uh, municipal uh, police departments and, uh, you know, county uh, sheriff's departments, and they match security numbers or social security numbers and officer names with uh, social media accounts. And then they sift through those social media accounts until they find something that they think is is controversial. And then they uh, put it on public, you know, they, they put them on blast publicly. And then they send letters to the uh, corresponding agencies to try to get these officers fired or disciplined. That's all they do. 
So the people that run Project Plainview, this all got their start in the Philadelphia Public uh, Defender's Office. They were put it. They were defending a capital, and it, it was a capital case. I think the guy was looking at the death sentence. He killed a cop in Philadelphia, and they couldn't. They couldn't um, win on the merits of the of the case. You know the. the you know, merits of the, the, the facts. They didn't have the facts they needed. So what they were going to, they built their defense around systemic racism. Well, of course, their, their pea bearings did that because, you know, they're a result of contemporary academia. So they went out into the neighborhoods and they were trying to, uh, you know, get get the community leaders to claim that, you know, the, the police are racist and have been racist for a long time. And this guy had no choice but to start killing cops. Um, and on a part of that, part of that investigation, they'd get into um, Facebook groups with uh, the local, uh, you know, law enforcement community, and they'd get super offended by all the, you know, edgy and borderline things they saw. And uh, so they, they sat on that information. They went very public with it. They got like 100 officers suspended, over a dozen officers fired, some more put on administrative leave. It, it made some headlines. And I think I want to say this is back in 2017. So anyway... Um, corporate America lined up, you know, to throw millions of dollars at this project. Of course they did, because that's the way it works. And um, so there's no way that this audit can be completed and conducted and studied without that national database. So Merrick Garland and uh, Vanita Gupta and Kristen Clark, I'll call them the uh, free Mumia, the free Abdul Jamal uh, Mumia cop killer. Not, not, not just... Mumia, but uh, a string, a handful of cop killers that they're calling political prisoners. All cop killers are political prisoners. The Department of Justice is trying to get all these guys out of jail. And they were successful with um, Kessaboudin's dad and his co-defendants, which are cop killers. Um, they got uh, Cuomo, and outgoing Governor Andrew Cuomo, to, to pardon those guys and to commute their sentences. So anyway, um, let me get back to what I was talking about. Uh, does it, should that surprise anyone? No. If you, if you know about Merrick Garland, if you watched, if you listened to episode number 15 of this podcast, um, that that's par for the course. That's hundred percent to be expected. There's been an inversion of justice. The social justice lunatics think, I don't know. They probably have bad intentions. I, I think they're more corporate motivated and money motivated than they even are standing on any sort of principle. I don't think they really believe that the criminals are victims and cops are, are evil and racist. I think it just, in the long run, it makes sense for them to make these noises for the reasons that I that I uh, went into a deeper dive on on episode 15. So anyway, so what are these people up to? I would say, okay, when, when Vanita Gupta, she's the third ranking, third highest ranking law enforcement official, uh, number three of the uh, in charge of the DOJ, she was talking. She she when she was doing her Senate confirmation hearings, she was talking about how she was going to increase the number of consent decrees that she leverages against police departments. Okay, well, consent decrees are a, p a pain in the ass. Um, you lose some public support when you do that. So I think they found a way to short circuit the process. You know, why even do consent decrees? Let's just install panels and agencies nationwide everywhere as a mechanism to pr to punish wrong think. We'll just set up an office a block or two away from every, you know, sheriff's office and away from every um, police department and we'll staff it with, you know, leftist fanatics 
And any time the chief or anybody says anything public or there's a controversial use of force or something goes viral or whatever, we'll have people right there to, to shoot them a to you know shoot them a, a scathing email and and smack their weenie. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just short circuiting the uh, consent decree um, process. Um, these people are leftists. Leftists are not fans of local elections and states' rights and things like that. So this is their way of nullifying local elections. They don't want to see any more David Clark's or Scott Jones's or, you know, Alex Villanueva's in L.A. or anything like that. And that's another thing that's happening is the municipal uh, leftist creep is really it, it's taking it, it's really going unchecked in the municipal uh, departments for the reasons that I said. Uh, your Alex Villanueva's and your Scott Jones's and some of your sheriffs are um, public are, are elected. And if they're reasonably sure they can get reelected, they can say kind of what they want. And they have some autonomy and they have some freedom. Um, municipal PDs, not so much. So they're just expanding federal control. Um, oh, uh, I feel this is related. Um, after the January 6th riots, uh, there was talk of expanding Capitol Police across the United States in all 50 states. Why the hell does that make any sense? Why would the bodyguards guarding the White House... In Capitol Hill, or no, not not the White House, Capitol Hill. I'm sorry. Why would they need an office in San Francisco or or Bangor, Maine, or you know Orlando, Florida? That what what sense does that make? Well, I'll tell you what sense it makes. Um, it's part of a different arm of the government. Okay, so Capitol Police would not be subject to congressional oversight and congressional subpoena. Okay, so all the illegal things that you see the FBI and the DOJ get caught red-handed doing because of, you know, leakers, um, you know, potentially these guys could, could land their asses and, and you know, to, to abuse the FISA courts or to uh, illegally obtain something with an improper warrant or misrepresenting information on the warrant. Um, what they can do is if they have their Capitol Police flunkies, you know, in, in an office in Sacramento somewhere, they could have these dummies write the warrant. They could have these guys... Uh, you know, abuse FISA, they could have them do the dirty work and they could operate in the dark because nobody has the power to uh, subpoena what they're to, to look at what they're doing. So I don't know what the progress is with that. I don't know if there's Capitol Police Office, you know, Capitol Hill Police Office, you know, uh, uh, offices popping up everywhere. But that was the suspicion at the time. So uh, what are some of the tools and techniques Okay, okay, so I didn't mention it earlier. Why I was talking about Project Plainview is because the thrust of this report is getting into the social media activity of police officers. So I didn't explicitly say that, but you can kind of conclude that from where I was going with, with linking Project Plainview to this. Um, this, one of the things that jumps out at you if you're reading this report is that they start out with their conclusion and then they do their best to gerrymander and to propagandize the data until it, you know, fits into their, it tells their story or fits into their narrative. And they didn't do a particularly good job of it. So let me, uh, here, I'll do like a thought experiment, okay? Say the guy that wrote this report, I'm like, hey, because what they start with is police officers are supporting problematic groups. They're either joining or they're giving, you know, comfort or support to or they're liking on social media these these ugly you know horrible groups 
And then they put one group next to uh, the KKK, like that, like that makes any sense. Like I could say, anytime I mention Black Lives Matter or Antifa, I'm going to say uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS. You know, that's another sleight of hand that they're trying to get away with that only dummies are going to let them get away with. Um, so say uh, the guy that wrote this report, I'm like, you know what, uh, you're, you're beating your wife. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, you're beating your wife and uh, I'm going to investigate you until I find the evidence that I need. Okay, so that's so I, I, I've started out with a conclusion and I'm going to look for the evidence until I find it. Okay, so then they don't find any evidence. They didn't identify any officers that were involved in any of these troublesome, you know, problematic groups. So, oh, you know what? I, yeah, okay, you're right. I didn't find any evidence that you beat your wife, but I did find that you watch a bunch of internet porn, and that's even worse. Okay, so, so. That, that, that's kind of what they're pulling here. It's, 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 it's just patently ridiculous because they're saying, oh, well, um, we're sifting through thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours of body cam, and it kind of looks like officers are being, you know, biased at some point, you know. Oh, and then they'll say another thing, another claim that they'll make is that every, everybody's racist and the whole world's, you know, there's systemic racism. Okay, you know you're dealing with a communist if you hear these terms. Underlying causes implicit bias, bias, systemic racism, bias conduct, or the word problematic. Problematic means anything that I don't like. Okay, you just, uh, if you're, if you're a, a low IQ lefty, it's very easy. Okay, your worldview is this. Anything I don't like, just problematize it to death. Just anything, uh, critical race theorists, okay? James Lindsay came up with the best uh, description of, of critical race theory. He says, in critical race theory, uh, you call something you want to control racist until you control it. Did that ring true? Does that ring a bell? Call anything you want to control racist until you control it. Um, these uh, hardliners in the, in the White House, in the DOJ, want to control you. They want to control your thoughts. They want to control your words. And they're going to call you racist until they achieve their objective. And that's what this report is. Um, where was I going with that? I was going to get into the four-page intro, but uh, there's just this report is so thick and there's so much content in here that I think I may just kind of stick with that. I think just the just the the report, just a real low-resolution, uh, macroscopic look at what it is, is already pushing me up to 15 minutes. So maybe to uh, to close here, um, this report is garbage. I think the they, and I kind of got into who the they are. If you want to know more about the they, go back and listen to episode number 15 again. They're showing their cards. I, this smells like desperation to me. And uh, I can't help but, this is unfortunate, but I can't help but think about the young impressionable officers and the, in some cases, spineless supervisors who are effectively bullied or cowed by this, by this shitty report. You know they're gonna they're gonna have you half convinced. There are those people out there. You know them. They don't have a lot of backbone. They're gonna be half convinced that that this proves that they are racists and that they must you know. You know that that contrition needs to happen, and uh, I'll probably do more on this. Uh, maybe maybe I'll do another segment that just gets into the five page intro, but I didn't want this to go any longer than it needs to, and I think I'll leave it there. Thanks.